Hello and welcome to the Uncapped Podcast, proudly presented by Roast House Pub, where elevated culinary creations meet a fresh, evolving craft beer selection, making it one of Frederick's unique dining destinations. Hi everyone, I'm your host Chris Sands, and today I am joined by Gregory Dunkling, the Director of Business of Craft Beer Program at the University of Vermont. Uh, thanks for joining me, Greg. Hey, thanks for the invite. So this is surprisingly the second time I've had someone from a university on. Uh, the first time it, we I talked to a gentleman who uses brewing science to teach chemistry. Uh, this is a little bit different, though, what you're doing, well, actually a lot different uh, for what you're doing. Um, why don't we first start out, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, or I'm assuming you came into this position because you have a love for craft beer as well as uh, education. Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. Um, well, don't worry. I, uh, as you can see all the gray. I'm I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so I um, became interested in uh, the craft beer sector when there were not that many craft breweries. Um, uh, I started uh, working with a group of friends in a home brewing uh, club uh, in the 80s, early 80s. And uh, there were a, a bunch of groups organized uh, around the state of Vermont. And so we would get together and, uh, and brew beer and had a great passion for it. And, and then as the industry began to emerge, um, I started making connections with a number of brewery owners and brewers. Um, and so that's how I got sort of got started. Um, first, a fascination with uh, and a desire to find something that was that was very different from what the market was providing. Uh, we used to make runs over the border in Quebec to buy um, Molson Brodeur because that was the that was the good <laughs> beer at that time. You know, we couldn't find anything worthwhile unless it was an import. Um, so that's how I, I sort of got involved. When um, when did the big Vermont craft breweries open? Well, we had a series of of, of sort of well known Vermont breweries. Um, you know, I, I guess um, Greg Noonan uh, started the Vermont Pub and Brewery in Burlington, Vermont, and he became a well known uh, author uh, of of brewing uh, how to brew. Uh, became an advocate, uh, helped uh, establish sort of the the legal basis for it in Vermont. Um, so lots of people flocked to Burlington to uh, drink his beer and get to know Greg, and he was a very, um, very uh, friendly, welcoming person. Um, then uh, we had a series of, of breweries that became uh, well-known. Uh, Long Trail uh, became probably the first well-known brewery in the state. Uh, and they put sort of put us on the map. Um, and then uh, Magic Hat came along and they, ex you know, just expanded quickly, um, became well known across the eastern seaboard and, and elsewhere. Um, and uh, they, they um, I think that there was one particular style, number nine, caught on on most college campuses and, and people who were just beginning to um, experiment with craft products. Um, 
And then after that, of course, we had a number of other breweries that really put us on the map. Um, uh, Lawson's uh, certainly uh, was a much in-demand product. People would stand in line for Lawson's and then and then uh, the Alchemist and then Hill Farmstead and, they, they, you know, all really well, highly rated uh, uh, breweries in Vermont. Um, and I probably am forgetting, I mean, Otter Creek certainly became early on one of those names that people associated with Vermont. And they, they are fairly old, right? Well, as craft breweries go, like that cluster. I mean, Magic Hat's probably one of the oldest of them, right? Yeah. Um, but then like Hill Farmstead and, um, the Alchemist, they're what in like the, uh, at least probably around 20 years. Um, uh, no, they haven't been along around that long. Um, more like 10, 15 years, something more, more in the, um, so they're like I mean, the, the, the second... a little bit off there, but yeah, sort of the first wave was um, was uh, you know Magic Hat, um, Long Trail, um, and then you know other breweries. I mean, right? I li- I'm right now in the Boston market, and um, uh, we have a number of Vermont breweries that are well known down here and prevalent. Yeah, any any restaurant you go into, you see them. So. Uh, Vermont has a reputation. Uh, they're not by any means the largest number of breweries in the country, um, but we uh, we certainly uh, uh, have made a mark on on the industry. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone who is in the craft beer that loves IPAs that hasn't uh, put effort into getting a uh, focal banger or. Um, I got, why can't I remember the name of the other one? The, the other alchemist beer that's, I don't Eddie know. Topper. I like, yes. Hetty Topper. I Eddie don't know. Topper. I forgot that. I, yeah. I personally like focal banger better, but Eddie yeah, Topper that was sort of my go-to as well. All right. So, um, what, uh, so then what was the, what was the craft beer that, was your gateway into really loving craft beer? Um, you know, I was, I was a big fan of uh, English style beer. So I was, you know, a mild um, uh, bitters um, uh, is sort of what caught my attention very early on uh, when I was both drinking in, in early years of drinking beer and, um, and making beer Um you know, and I certainly had a great appreciation for some of the uh, German uh, products as well. So I was, I was pretty, I guess, Euro, uh, European centric initially when I started out. But then, uh, as the craft uh, sector grew in the U.S., um, you know, I gravitated towards New Amsterdam and in New York, which no longer is with us, and. Um, you know, certainly uh, Burley uh, Ale, which was at the Vermont Pub and Brewery. Um, so those those were, I had no single one, but um, the, the IPAs, of course, in that age were not popular um, the way they are today. So let's take, um, let's take a real quick sponsor break and then let's start talking about the why you're here, the, the, this awesome program uh, put on, by, which I think is, 
probably maybe even more important than the schools that teach uh, brewing. Um, so let's take a real quick sponsor break and when we get back, let's talk about the business of craft beer. Sure. Okay. We'll be right back. Uncapped is brought to you by one of Frederick's original Maryland craft beer destinations located off of Urbana Pike, featuring a warm, inviting atmosphere and knowledgeable staff serving up fresh, locally sourced culinary creations and unique craft beers on tap. Open seven days a week, our friends at Roast House Pub invite you to enjoy a casual lunch, happy hour specials, delicious dinners, and specialty desserts. Follow them on social media to keep up to date on their monthly beer dinners, on spaghetti dinner battles, and what beer is being featured for Buck Above Monday. Idiom Brewing Company proudly offers a delicious variety of beers to satisfy the most discerning tastes. Best known for their wide array of IPAs, delicious fruited sours, and robust porters and stouts, Idiom has a simple goal in mind, to bring people from all walks of life together, to enjoy themselves and each other. Whether you're a hophead looking for explosively juicy IPAs, are one of the adventurous few looking to try boozy, sour, or complex flavors, or just looking to enjoy classic styles and seasonal favorites, they'll have a little something for you. Idiom Brewing Company is located in downtown Frederick, just south of the intersection of East Street and East Patrick Street, with ample seating directly on Carroll Creek. All right, Greg, how did this program come to be? There were... um... Initially, um, you know, I had a concept. Um, I met up with Alan Newman, who had just left Magic Hat. He was the founder, um, owner of Magic Hat, and uh, grew it to become one of the largest craft breweries in the country. They acquired a brewery on the Pacific Northwest as well. So Alan and I had some discussions, um, and we, we had a similar view that the industry um, was going to grow dramatically. At that time, we were under, this is over 10 years ago, so under under 3,000 breweries. Um, of course, it didn't take a clairvoyant or a genius to figure out the industry was going to grow. So we didn't we didn't have anything on that, um, uh, that side of things. But um, what we both agreed uh, was that there was a, a real need for uh, people who were entering the craft beer sector to have the, the required knowledge and skills on the business side. Um, it, it wasn't, it was, it was important for people clearly to have a passion uh, for, uh, for craft products. Um, but it, it required, it wasn't really sufficient uh, for people to open breweries to take that next level from a consumer to a business owner. And our worry was that a lot of breweries would open, people would open them without the proper background to successfully run a complicated business in many cases, uh, unless it's a very, very, very tiny uh, nano brewery, um, which can even be complicated then, um, and that there would end up being failures. Uh, and the last thing any sort of new industry or new sector within an industry needs is to have a lot of failures. So we both agreed that business, uh, the business side of the industry was something that was really important to teach people. Um, so uh, I put together that plan and uh, was able to reach out some through his, his assistance uh, and talk to a number of people nationally who were real thought leaders in the industry. And um, 
And it just sort of evolved from there. We created this, what now is an international uh, group of instructors who were part of our program, folks in Canada, First Key Consulting joined us early on. And they're one of the big uh, <clears throat> consulting companies that support craft breweries in either starting or expanding their operations. So um, that's sort of the genesis of the program. Um, and, uh, and then for the last 10 years, we or so, probably nine years, uh, we've, been, we've been enrolling a couple, you know, 100, 150, 200 students a year. Um, are the courses taught mainly from people who are in the industry? Yeah, in all cases, um, they are people who have been in the industry for a very long time. Um, uh, some of them are on sort of the consulting side now. Some of them are actually owners um, or uh, staff inside of current breweries. Um, so it's very much, you know, it's not a, this is not an academic exercise per se. It's, it's really uh, grounded in understanding deeply the industry and how it works. So how, um, when, what was the first year that it was offered? Uh, I believe it was um, 2002. 12, I think, or maybe 13, something around there. Okay. And has it always been online courses or were, were there, or is there an, any in-person component of it? Yeah, it's all online. Um, we anticipated that we would have uh, participants across the U.S. and, and other places. Um, so we didn't want to um, have the barrier of, of requiring them to come to our campus um, since our instructors are also uh, distributed across the U.S. and Canada, um, we also didn't, you know, this is this is their not their day job. They do their other work. Yeah. And so so we didn't want to have an on-campus requirement. Uh, we have considered doing something on campus from time to time, but we haven't uh, we haven't pursued that. How um, were, were you affiliated with the University of Vermont before starting this program? I was, or, yes. Okay. I, had, I had started working there uh, in 2001, I believe it is. What, what, do, what were you doing? That Are you a, a professor or? So I'm a, a senior program developer. Uh, okay. My responsibility is to create uh, various types of programs. So um, including non-credit programs. Um, so this aligned really, really well with my responsibilities at the university. Gotcha. So is a combination of a passion and uh, your expertise area. Yeah. And certainly, you know, I, my ability to find the right people across the U.S. and Canada to be in our program who really have deep expertise in the industry was was really my uh, my uh, uh, strength, I guess. Uh, I've been doing that kind of work for a long time. So, so we put together a team of uh, instructors that are just incredible. So, um, you had said that there are around two hundred people a year taking it now. It it varies. Um, there there are five courses uh, to receive the certificate. You have to complete. Uh, at least three. 
there are different audiences of people in our program. Um, there are those who are looking to one day uh, hopefully open a brewery. So they're taking this program to develop their, their knowledge um, and to build a business plan. There are others who are already in the industry. Um, and then there are those who are looking to get into the industry. So they may have an expertise in some area and they want to transition into the craft sector. So they use our program for that purpose. And so um, not all of them want to necessarily complete the certificate. They have particular areas that they want to uh, develop their knowledge in. Uh, mostly people from the industry itself, you know, they have deep knowledge already. So they might, they might want to come in and just study finance or just come in and, and, and pursue marketing. So that's why they don't all necessarily go through three or more courses. Okay. Do you, um, do you have an idea of the breakdown of like, uh, are there more people that, uh, are already in the industry looking to learn more about particular areas or is it, are there more people who are going down the road of wanting to open a brewery and they're learning yeah. everything beforehand? Yeah. Probably, I would say probably 80% of our, of our, um, participants are, people who are kicking the tires of one day opening a brewery. Um, they, they're, they're everywhere from, I have a business plan drafted and I want to make sure that I'm on the right track to people who have a great passion and they have a dream, but they don't really know if this is something they can pull off or not. And, and everyone in between. So, so even that audience of people who want to start one day, or want, want one day to have a brewery um, are uh, all over the place in terms of their, their, their commitment at that stage. We have seen more people in the industry participate in our program. Sometimes they want to be kind of quiet about it because um, they may be envisioning opening their own brewery at some point, and they may be currently working for a brewery. Okay, yeah. So in some <laughs> cases, they're open about that with, um, with their team. In other cases, it's a sensitive matter, so they don't yeah. they don't want to publicize that. Um, let's take uh, another real quick sponsor break, and then we get back. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the program. Sure. So we will be right back. I buy my beer at District East in downtown Frederick, Maryland. They have an amazing selection of local and hard to find beers, and I love the option of making my own mix and match custom six pack. District East is on Northeast Street in Frederick in the same shopping center as Showroom Restaurant and Rockwell Brewery. Most weeks they have over 950 beers in stock. Check out this week's selection at www.districteastbeer.com. Are you planning on having custom glassware made for your business? Glassware availability for 2022 has already reached capacity, and it looks like costs will predictably rise this year. Don't worry, ACS Brand My Beverage has you covered with over 6 million units of the most popular glass styles exclusively in their inventory to meet your branded glassware needs right now. Lock in today's lower prices and take immediate delivery, or ACS will store your product for you until you're ready. Email sales at brandmybeverage.com or visit brandmybeverage.com to reserve your glassware. McClintock Distilling is Maryland's first and only certified organic distillery, handcrafting gins, whiskeys, vodkas, and cordials from non-GMO organic ingredients in downtown Frederick. Named the best vodka distillery in the country by USA Today, 
best gin in the world at the International Spirits Competition and double gold at the World Spirits Competition for bourbon, rye, and gin. Open now for tours, tastings, and classes. Come sample the most awarded distillery in Frederick today. Uh, so one thing I forgot to mention to you when we were talking earlier, uh, when I was looking on uh, the program's website, I noticed that there's actually a semi-local to me brewery that is a graduate of your program from uh, Pickett Brewing that's opening yep. in, that's opening in Baltimore. Great. Do you have um, a sense of how many breweries have opened after the someone graduating from your course? Well, we we need to do a better job of staying in touch with everyone who's graduated because um, they we we do hear of of alumni who's open breweries and sometimes we hear second or third hand. Um, so we're right now we're reaching out to all of the people who participated in in uh, try to learn who's open a brewery. Um, you know, somebody who went in our started our program five, six, seven years ago might not have started a brewery until this past year. Um, so it, it all depends. Uh, we can't assume that people are going to immediately um, launch a brewery after completing our program. Um, so to answer your question, I think we're probably in the neighborhood of about 40 to 50 breweries, something in that category. It's a decent number. Yeah, that's a and a, a, to your point before too. It's 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 often not a very short road from wanting to open to actually opening. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, where um in what realm of the program's offerings do you think trips up a prospective brewery owner the most? Like what like when you mentioned earlier that that sometimes it's that business part of the running a brewery that can cause closures, which part of the five coursework areas do you think is the, the biggest part to make sure that someone understands? Um, that, that certainly has changed over the last 10 years. Um, uh, I have an advisory board of uh, over 25 breweries across the U.S., and I asked them, uh, this is prior to COVID, um, what they felt we should focus our, our attention on in terms of professional development in the industry. And, and they just said, finance, finance, finance. Um, you know, those of us who were in the industry uh, could still learn more. Um, and it's it's a continue, continual challenge to kind of understand, you know, um, the basics, cost of goods, of course, everybody can get that, but understanding what the, what the metrics ought to be for, for a brewery or size, um, and, and how to manage the finances is something that, that a lot of breweries, um, and certainly prospective brewery owners need to learn a lot about. Um, most of the people who come to our program don't have that background and they admit that finances is sort of their, their Achilles heel. Um, I would also say market research more so today than when we first started. Um, you know, you, you could throw a dart at a, at a map on a wall uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, open a brewery anywhere and you wouldn't have any challenge uh, with competition. But today uh, some markets are um, pretty concentrated, you know, maybe even saturated is the right term. 
Um, and so opening yet one more brewery in a, in a location like that can be a challenge. Um, and a lot of breweries open in their hometown. So if you're living in Rochester, New York, uh, and you have grown up there and you want to open a brewery, it's likely to be around Rochester, New York. And uh, people tend not to pay enough attention to the market research that is, that is uh, required to run any business. I mean, if you're o- opening an ice cream store, you would want to do that, that research to look at your competition, understand, you know, is there a need in your, in your location for yet another ice cream shop? Well, the same applies to breweries. And um, it's been a little hard sometimes to get people to realize that. Um, their, their passion for the, the industry, their passion for um, opening in their home community that they don't know best sometimes overrides their, their um, desire to really do that legwork up front to understand, you know what, this is probably not a place to put another brewery. Um, so th- that's another area. Um, I guess the, the, the third area would be just, you know, and they get some support from industry partners in this, uh, the equipment companies and things, but just, just understanding how to size your brewery uh, properly and, and uh, be able to, you know, expand it over time, but not, not get in so deep financially that, that you're swimming for the first uh, few years. Um, and I think as of as of the last few years, I think real estate, <laughs> oddly enough, is is a is an issue that a lot of breweries are facing. Either you, you got into a space that you've outgrown, and you don't have expansion uh, uh, capabilities, or you, you you have landlord issues, or um, your lease is you know written in a way that really confines your your. Um, your finances, um, all those things. I mean, there's a lot to think about when you start getting into either purchases or or leasing of of space for a brewery. When uh, earlier you mentioned metrics and things um, under talking about the finance, is do you mean like um, profit margins and like that type of those type of metrics or? Um, yeah, that that and all, all all the way down to um, understanding the, the the you know breweries make lots of products, um, but the cost of those products vary depending on the ingredients that you use. Um, so really understanding you know from a financial perspective, not not a you know some people get very invested in in the product that they make but if they were to step back and look at it from a financial standpoint they might say you know this this beer that i'm making here is not making me any money or is not making me very much money i might be selling a lot of it but it doesn't necessarily mean that that it's doing my my brewery any good from a financial standpoint now there may be a reason to ignore that and just go ahead and make it but you should know you should go into it knowing that you're making that decision. What what is the profit margin that a brewery should shoot for? Oh boy, that's a tough one. That it's tough for me to answer because um, I'm I'm not I don't pretend to be an uh, expert on this side of things. We have um, we have instructors that um, have been in this industry and have worked with hundreds of breweries and. They're the people who uh, typically guide people in that in that direction. Gotcha. And I'm sure it varies a great deal depending on the size of your brewery, your your footprint, 
Uh, are you are you mostly a tap room based brewery or are you a regional you know distributing brewery and it it, it all varies and where you're located and yeah a, a lot of different so and then when when you're talking about um like oversaturation or saturation point of a brewery are the like type of metrics you're looking at it would that be like the number of breweries per person in an area or, or or how many people there are per brewery in a region or how how is that like determined on yep. where it should be and shouldn't be located yeah so um certainly those are those are metrics that you would want to pay attention to but um you know, really an, uh, analyzing the breweries that are in your community to understand what what is their value proposition? What are they making as a product? Are there are there particular types of products that are not uh, being offered in your market? Um, you know, everyone going out with an, a pale ale, an IPA, and a lager is probably not going to um, you know uh, distinguish you from your competition. Um, another consideration, and increasingly, um, breweries are viewed more as destinations or places that people, you know, it's like your local English pub, places that people want to frequent. Um, you, you may have a preferred place that you go to. You may visit a number of them in your neighborhood or in your town, but one may be your sort of go-to place. So what is it from a business standpoint are you trying to create? You know, is it, do you have music? Do you have art? Do you have games? Do you have events? Uh, what is it that you're doing that distinguishes you a little bit from your competition? And so, you know, trying to trying to understand how you differentiate your brewery from the competitors is is the task. And of course, any business any business needs to do that when they're when they're mapping out a plan to open. Because the demographics of an area would be very important to yeah because even if it's an if it's an area that has no breweries uh, or very few there may be a good reason why there are hardly any there at this point exactly you know um the other thing to consider um you know just take vermont for example we're a state of six hundred and thirty thousand people but we have an incredible beer tourism lots of people hop in their cars and drive to vermont to visit our breweries um, they used to visit for skiing or for foliage season, and they still do. But um, brewery visits is a is a big factor, and that's true not just in Vermont, but in a lot of places. People go on you know brewery tours on weekends or on vacations. Um, so looking at you know where you're opening that draws seasonal tourism uh, is a you know you may you may increase your population base by a factor of five. Uh, just through people coming through the area uh, seasonally. Um, there was a study done by, by Bart Watson at the Brewers Association some years ago that said that any brewery, any community of 10,000 people could sustain a good brewery, a well-run brewery. And if you, if you sort of, if you assume that that's more or less the case, then um, what we did is we took it, the census data and we mapped out and said, okay, so there are some communities that, that have a population base that would 
possibly support another three or four breweries based on those numbers. And there are other communities where um, it's oversaturated, you know, and so what else, what else needs to be considered? Is it tourism? Is it college students that come to, you know, parts of the year? What is it that, that is going to um, be considerations in your, in your uh, business plan? So, um, you know, we also just for kicks decided to see where the industry might land eventually in terms of the total numbers based on that 10,000 to one ratio. And, um, of course, COVID hit and sent everything, you know, back. Um, yeah. But, yeah, you know, like we were two, we were saying two know, we years of uh, breweries in the U.S. Everybody's saying, oh, there's saturation. Um, but, you know, now we're a little over 9000. So if that's the case, we got quite a ways to go. Well, especially like since so many of those breweries are just tiny, tiny ones that mm-hmm. can survive yes. servicing just a, their, their small town. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's what you're saying, like it's COVID hitting too. Like that's like two years now of almost useless data of yes. any yeah. kind of trends or sales or anything. Cause it, there's no way to compare the last two years going forward or backwards to, to any other, any, anything else collected. You know, it's, you say that, um, we, you know, we, we focus a lot on helping people build solid business plans, but who in the heck would have predicted that they needed to factor in a global pandemic and yeah. building a business plan? <laughs> Although there's, um, I think um, it it's really interesting in the brewing industry how many breweries were able to expand during the last two years or like really thrived through that time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, you know, those, it's an industry that's known for creativity and boy, did people have to be creative. You know, they had to, they had on a dime uh, switch their business model from tap room to canning and getting product out in various ways. Um, Certainly the outdoor spaces, you know, really became uh, necessary and a major focus of a lot of breweries that could and could support that kind of environment. Um, and then geographically, you've got issues, you know, some places it's it's great for certain times of the year and gets too hot other times of the year. And then just the opposite of northern uh, regions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like looking looking over the course descriptions and stuff, it, it's like you really do cover every aspect of what you would need to know on how to operate a brewery. Yeah. There's brewery finance, there's uh, marketing and branding. Um, again, back to the question of doing your market research, but understand how to, how to uh, differentiate your brewery from others. Um, there's uh, business operations and it's really taking you through. It's, it's not the brewing side. It's everything around the brewer. Brewing team, so it's supply chain management, it's sizing of breweries, it's all of the the, the actual support around uh, the brewing staff. Even the um, human resources a, uh, aspect. I'm sorry. Uh, human resources, and which I think is becoming a more and more important function within the brewing industry. You know, it's interesting because initially I had. Um, Alan Newman put me in contact with the head of um, Hart, of uh, Harquin Brewery, um, and uh, 
we had conversations and I immediately then spent some time with the HR director at, at Harpoon. And he was, he was advocating a nine years ago that we do an HR track. And so I ended up talking to a lot of HR staff in somewhat larger uh, craft breweries. I mean, still, still very small breweries. We decided against it because the industry was just way too small. You know, you alluded to the long tail of very, very small breweries in, in the country of the 9,000, probably, you know, 8,000 or 7,000 are really tiny. So um, they don't have HR people. Uh, they may have people wearing multiple hats and HR is one of those. Um, today, though, HR is for lots of different reasons becoming much more uh, important. And, um, you know, we're considering adding a component to our program around HR uh, for, for that reason. Yeah, because it, it, it's definitely it's definitely an area where uh, breweries could probably use, uh, not all, but there's definitely some that could use some help with uh, training in that, that realm. Yeah, exactly. And of course, with the, with the uh, advent of uh, brave noise and, and that whole issue, um, certainly people are paying much more attention. Sometimes you need um, controversy of some sort in order to get people's attention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and certainly, um, you know, unfortunately, that, that's part of most businesses. And, you know, they're, they've highlighted, though, the fact that somebody in a, in a brewery better pay attention to these important issues. Yeah. Um, when then digital marketing and social media, that's obviously like the number one ways that a yeah. small brewery is marketed. Yeah. And that's, that's, um, typically people who are closer to launching a brewery, um, uh, pursue that course or people who are in the industry who want to, want to learn more about it. They want to expand sort of their capabilities in, in that space. I, uh, yeah. And I, the like so like this one line item is probably an important one to know the awareness of the legalities around advertising and marketing beers because there definitely are some things you can and can't do that i don't know that are common knowledge yeah we started out having um a legal component in our in one of our first courses um and then we then we finally decided that um it's something that people definitely need, but they usually contract with a law, a lawyer, a law firm that specializes in this space. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so we ended up, uh, you know, sort of doing using using that content as free content within our uh, our program. Um, so it's it's not it's not directly part of the curriculum now. Okay. So is there? Um... It, okay, so it says right here rolling rolling admissions. So it it's there. You don't have to like start at like the like during a normal calendar year or something. You just take the courses as they're available yeah. when you need them if you're going on the certificate track. Yeah, courses start sort of scattered throughout the year, and uh, there's no there's no uh, required order to the courses that you take. Um, so you can sort of jump in at any point. What are, um, what's the, do you have more people that just take a couple courses that are of their particular interest or do the majority of people just go through the whole, like to, to get certified? 
Yeah, it's it's a mixture. Um, I think people who are looking looking to uh, one day launch a brewery and they're pretty serious about it, um, they tend to complete the whole program, um, including more than the three courses. Um, but there are also lots of people who uh, who just take a couple of courses that they feel they need. Do you know actually just something I thought of when when someone is going around looking for investors or trying to get funding through a bank, does having like this tour, like having gone through this sort of a class help at all? Or is it like, are you able to leverage it in that way? Or is this more just like having the knowledge is why you would want to do it? Well, I think it comes, comes down to um, how effectively have you, uh, demonstrated your your business viability through the business plan and financial plan that you have developed. And that's really what we're trying to accomplish here. Okay. Um, I just interviewed, um, well, interviewed, I had a conversation with a graduate of our program who's planning to open a brewery in Georgia, outside of Atlanta. And um, he just secured funding from various sources. And so my my conversation with him was around this question of well tell me the story you know how, how did it go um and he described you know working with this bank and then that fell apart and that bank and it fell apart and finally finally he you know and all the way along the, the the process he was learning elements of what he had learned in our program and put together a a, a business plan that spoke to the concerns that the various lending uh, sources were, were raising. Um, but he finally secured the funding that he needed to open this uh, fairly substantial, you know, it's purchasing a building downtown uh, uh, city. And, uh, uh, and, and so it's a fairly substantial undertaking and, and uh, financial commitment. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I don't I think from a reputation standpoint, uh, people, uh, uh, depending on what source of funding you're pursuing, they may have heard of our program. The fact that, that somebody has taken the time to go through a, a program like this uh, lends itself to credibility of what you're doing. You're not just uh, a weekend warrior putting together a business plan and uh, asking for a couple of million dollars. Um, but certainly the, the quality of the plan itself should speak to uh, um, the, the interests and needs of any lender. Are you seeing that it's a lot harder now to secure funding? It seems like there's there's a lot less money just being thrown at craft beer at this time. Yeah, I think it's well, it's like I guess any industry um, that that sort of goes from early stage to uh, uh, more of a mature uh, phase of, of development. Um, uh, people are people were very excited about being associated with a brewery 15, 10 years ago, right? Um, your relatives, your friends, uh, bankers, um, being associated with the industry that was just exploding, you know, let me in. Uh, uh, today, I think people are seeing it more as, uh, as an investment that they need to assess very carefully. And uh, particularly with the competition, they need to ask a lot of questions. And it's not just a, um, a uh, sort of an ego play in some cases or a, 
you know, hey, we want to get in on this industry that's growing rapidly, um, but they're really looking looking at the plan carefully and trying to assess whether you have the right team uh, that's going to pull this off. Um, I have to say that that's one of the other things about our program is people often come in with, with uh, an idea of what their team is going to look like, but they leave the program with a very different idea. Um, they, they thought, hey, I make good beer. My friends like my beer. But um, they realized that, you know what, my skill set is better placed in another role. And I better hire somebody who has lots of experience making beer. Um, and that's just, you know, one of many different examples. You know, my, my, my wife does books for, you know, a couple companies. She can do the finances for it. Uh, probably not a good idea. Um, you need to get somebody who's really understanding um, the industry. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it's a much more challenging market than it was uh, 10, 15 years ago. And, uh, and probably with good reason. Where do people go to find out more information about the program? Yeah, um, so uh, we have both Facebook, uh, we have a website, um, uh, which is uh, Business of Craft Beer. Uh, I don't even have it up on my thing here. You, you, you know, I don't, I don't typically go to the website. Uh, <laughs> I, have it, I have it logged on my computer here. Um, but uh, Business of Craft Beer uh, uh, and on Facebook and um and then you'll also see us, uh, some of our, our blog materials uh, in, in social media as well. Yeah, and if, if you just search uh, Business of Craft Beer UVM, it takes you right to everything. Yeah. Uh, is there one piece of advice that you would give to anyone looking to open a brewery? Well, I guess the advice is... Um, really view it not as a hobby, uh, view it as something that you're going to, uh, have to do a gut check to see if you've got the wherewithal, um, and, and the support around you to be able to pull it off as a, as a business, a serious business. You know, once you open a brewery, you've got a lot of people that are, that are accounting on you, uh, to, to pull it off. Um, and the last thing you want to do is to, is to get started and, and to let those people down uh, either either through contraction or problems that you that you may encounter along the way. So, you know, doing your research, uh, really doing a gut check um, are all important things for anyone. And that's, that's true of any business. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time today. Um, I definitely enjoyed learning about the, your, your program. Um, I think it, it's an invaluable resource for anyone looking to, or even in the industry, there's definitely sure once you've opened a brewery that several of the courses would be worthwhile taking to just better hone your abilities to run a successful brewery. Yeah, exactly. Um, Hey, I, we really appreciate the opportunity to uh, be on your podcast and also to uh, speak to your, uh, avid listeners. All right. Uh, so once again, thank you. And, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Cheers. Take care. Bye. The Uncapped podcast is produced by Graham Cullen and me, Chris Sands. Be sure to like us on Facebook 
And if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please leave us a review on Google Play or the iTunes Store. A special thanks to Double Motorcycle for providing our theme music. Thanks for listening. Oh my God, that's good.